0: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for Fans Sided and Pro Football Weekly. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you can find all the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. You can like us on Facebook, you can review us on iTunes, and find us at... Everywhere that you get your podcasts, Alexa, play Locked on Packers. Okay, Google, play Locked on Packers. We are there wherever you need us to be. You can also hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline at 920-341-3775. That's 920-341-3775. The Packers take on the Pittsburgh Steelers in the second preseason game on Thursday night. And that's what we're going to spend our time talking about the players that we're looking forward to seeing, that we need to see perform well. But the the problem is the Steelers are not going to play a lot of their starters. Ben Roethlisberger was hurt in practice on Tuesday, may, may not be healthy enough to play even if the the plan was to play him which it sounds like it wasn't which makes the the practice injury uh even more damaging to the Steelers frankly but Antonio Brown's not going to play Cam Hayward not going to play that that's the that's the the group that we know for sure right now does that mean that Juju Smith-Schuster is not going to play does it mean that some of their defensive contributors aren't going to play we don't know right now But it doesn't seem like they're going to put out their A-team by any means. But the Packers are. Aaron Rodgers is going to play. Jimmy Graham looks like he's going to play. David Bakhtiari looks like he's going to play. Brian Bulaga probably not going to play. But these are all subject to change. You know, this is where it's very early Wednesday morning. And we'll we'll have a better idea by the end of the day. Certainly by tomorrow, we'll know who's going to play and who isn't. That's that's not important because most of the time, starters and projected starters or preferred starters or whatever it is, they are not subjected to having to prove themselves in preseason. Even in in some of the areas where the Packers have some roster spots up for grabs, no one is beating out Justin McCray for that right guard spot. And right now, it seems pretty clear the top three corners... Uh at, at least given Jair Alexander's health, are Kevin King, Devon House, and Tremont Williams. There aren't really that many other battles to even talk about. Jamal Williams is the clear front runner at running back, Geronimo Allison has the third receiver spot all but locked up. And Kentrell Bryce is clearly ahead of Josh Jones at, at safety. So where are these other battles? There aren't really that many. Now, the one that I think is particularly compelling for the Packers is these young corners. If Jair Alexander is going to play, I want to see him cover Juju Smith-Schuster. I want to see him cover James Washington, the rookie. I want to see him because we haven't been able to see him lately. We saw Josh Jackson against the Titans, and we saw him do more than just acquit himself. He played very well. There was the the ticky-tack holding call on him where he he had the jersey for a split second. Those kinds of calls could be made on every play. That was what Bill Raftery would call a nickel-dimer. That was ticky-tack. It was weak. It was soft. But he made a number of other plays where he got his head around to find the football, where he was able to cut off a receiver trying to get to the ball, He is still learning, and Mike Pettin talked about it on Tuesday. He's still learning the technique. He doesn't play a ton of press because he's still becoming comfortable with that technique. He didn't play a ton of slot in college, at least not last year, so he's still learning how to play there. But when you look at his physical tools and what we've seen so far, he was starting to come along. He was starting to get it. It was starting to click for him. And we saw the first major step for him against the Titans, where he got to play against the number ones. He got to play against Marcus Mariota. The touchdown that Mariota threw was to the veteran's side, with House and Rollins defending. And my hope is that we see very little Quentin Rollins in this game, because it's just more important that guys who actually have a chance to make this team and make an impact are playing. That is not Quentin Rollins. He's not an impact player. I don't want to see him back there returning punts. I want to see Jair Alexander back returning punts. Let's see what he's got. Ron Zook talked about that in his press conference. He doesn't think... Well, he doesn't know what Alexander can do back there because he hasn't had that many chances, been dealing with this injury. He knows Randall Cobb can play back there. He knows Tremont Williams, interestingly can play back there, and and actually said Tremont Williams might be the most dynamic of those guys. Now, if Tremont Williams is starting, you're not going to put him back there. If Randall Cobb is starting, you're not going to put him back there. But if Alexander is, let's say, cornerback four, maybe you do put him back there. I still think that Ty Montgomery should be considered a viable option. I'm not opposed to Randall Cobb. I'm not opposed to the Packers doing what teams like the Cardinals do with Patrick Peterson, what the the Steelers do with Antonio Brown, and saying, okay, uh, we're going to have a, a placeholder punt returner for most of the time, and then in critical situations, we're going to put this player back there. So, okay, we're going to put, you know, wh- whoever. It doesn't matter. But then for important plays for the serious opportunities late in the fourth quarter the Packers need a return or late in the fourth quarter they need someone they know is going to is going to 100% make a catch and then do something with it that's let's say Randall Cobb or Tremont Williams they can do that and they they haven't done that in the past at least they haven't done it since uh, Charles Woodson was in town he was someone that when they needed Someone that was for sure going to secure the catch. It wasn't so much when they needed a return. When they needed someone to secure the catch, that was Woodson's role. I want to see Jair Alexander play because he needs the reps. And not just as a punt returner, but as a corner. And I want to see Josh Jackson play against different types of receivers. He needs those reps because, like Alexander, he's a rookie. So they, they, these every snap is critical for them. Every opportunity that they get to see an offensive player lined up in front of them that they have to defend, that is an opportunity for them to get better. An opportunity for them to grow. And all of those are important regardless of the quality of those receivers. So even if Antonio Brown is not out there, it could be important to play against other NFL caliber players. The Steelers have other NFL-caliber receivers that they can put out there. They have James Washington, Juju Smith, Schuster. They have these these other guys that can provide a good test for these Packers corners. And going a little bit deeper, I want to see Lindsey Pipkins. I think he's better than Quentin Rollins. So I want to see him playing ahead of Rollins. I want to see him with the opportunity to play against the twos. And maybe even get some run against the ones. If you know Tremont Williams, for example, or Kevin King, for example. Now, Kevin King needs to play. He's got to get healthy. But I want to see Pipkins against Mason Rudolph. I want to see him against Josh Jopson. I want to see him against Landry Jones. Let's see how he looks against starting caliber players. Now, none of the three quarterbacks I just mentioned are necessarily that. Landry Jones has had to start with Ben Roethlisberger being hurt. Lindsey Pipkins got to play last season against Matthew Stafford in meaningful snaps—not meaningful in the way of did they affect the outcome of the season for the Packers, but meaningful in regular season games. I have not seen the evidence lately, as in the last eighteen months, that Lindsey Pipkins is an inferior player to Quentin Rollins. I haven't seen it. In fact. My eyes tell me that the opposite is true, that Pipkin should be playing over Rollins. And the Packers have given Rollins every opportunity to try and make this team. And at every turn, he's failed. At a certain point, and I understand, there's no reason to make cuts. There's not the 16 cutdowns that there used to be. Early September, cuts. September 1st, cuts have to be made. Until then, Green Bay can just basically do whatever they want. So they can give Quentin Rollins every opportunity to try and make this team. Here's the problem. Spoiler alert for those who can't see the future. He's not good. Again, this is not a personal thing with, with Rollins. I have nothing against the guy personally. I've just seen him play football. Is he better than me? Sure. So stay out of my mentions with that garbage if you're going to defend him. That's, if you want to defend him with that kind of argument, f- fine. Whatever. That That's an easy mute for me. Him being better than me is not the point. And, and I've been heartened that I haven't seen that in my mentions very often over the last year when I have not been kind to Rollins about his play. I've been critical of him. But I think reasonably so, and I think most Packer fans would agree reasonably so. I'm not here to kill a guy in a mean way. It's not personal. Unless it is. But this isn't. I'm not impugning his personality. I'm not impugning his personhood. The quality of the man that he is. This is about his football play. And it hasn't been good enough. Before we move on, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge subscription giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes. And you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. I just wrote an enormous feature for the SB Nation NFL Preview, and I used a ton of pro football-focused data, time in the pocket, all sorts of data that they have that no one else has. If you want to be the smartest football friend at your bar, at your table, wherever you congregate with your football friends, on your group text, whatever it is, if you want to be the smartest football fan that you can be, A Pro Football Focus Edge subscription will get you there and I want to give it to you for free. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast, Locked on Packers, on iTunes to enter. Another matchup worth keeping your eye on is the backup offensive tackle spot. Mike McCarthy has said he wants to keep Kyle Murphy on the left side and Jason Spriggs on the right side. And that is... Particularly interesting to me because Murphy, traditionally speaking, makes more sense as a right tackle and Spriggs, given his athletic gifts, makes more sense as a left tackle. Those distinctions have become less and less important as offenses have gone to spread offenses where the left and the right tackle each are having to play on an island with no help. They're much less predictable by formation, much less predictable by running to the right side versus left side. Most teams traditionally have played right-handed, so you run the ball to the right. That is less true now in the modern NFL than it used to be. But that doesn't change the fact that McCarthy has said that this is what he wants to do. He wants to make sure that those guys are getting the opportunities to succeed by staying in one place, trying to move them all over doesn't do them any favors. He said that out Justin McCray. He wanted to get Justin reps at one spot, keep him there and let him succeed because having to play left tackle, right tackle, right guard, center, that that's not going to help a young player develop. Put one guy on the left side, put one guy on the right side and let them go. We still have not received in my opinion a sufficient explanation for why Byron Bell is suddenly running ahead of Jason Spriggs. McCarthy said it was his call, but Spriggs had been the starter with Brian Bulaga injured, the starter for weeks in OTAs, in minicamp, and into training camp. And then all of a sudden, the night before, it sounds like McCarthy made a decision to put Bell in and Bell struggled. Now, it's not like Spriggs was exponentially better playing against third stringers, but he was solid. He certainly didn't give up any sack fumbles like Byron Bell did. Now, Joe Philbin talked about the nice plays and the improvement Bell has made since he got to the Packers and and has learned the playbook and all of those things, but it seems pretty clear that Bell was not in position to be the second right tackle until very late in the game and continued through the week over the last week to be that player and hasn't necessarily outperformed Jason Spriggs. And Spriggs went on record and said, I was shocked and said, I didn't know this was happening. I don't know what happened. And that is a problem. If you are the starter and then all of a sudden one day you're not. And the offensive coordinator, by the way, is a former offensive line coach. Even if it is McCarthy's call, as an offensive coordinator and as an offensive line coach, you need to go to that player and say, this is what we need out of you. And this is what we're not getting. And this is why someone else is going to start in your place on Thursday night. That lack of communication is troubling. Is it damning? Is it devastating? No, probably not. But it's not ideal. You want the players to know where they stand in the minds of the coaches. If for no other reason than if they need to get better, you want to tell them how they can get better. If it's a work ethic problem, you have to tell them. If it's a technique problem, you have to coach them up. If it is an attitude problem, you have to address it. So what circumstance could possibly have led to Spriggs being essentially benched that didn't warrant a conversation. That doesn't make any sense. I don't understand that. Now, now it's probably the case that they have since had conversations, and it is probably the case that the Packers had some sort of reason for doing this and haven't offered it publicly. But the fact that Spriggs would, would go out of his way To answer a reporter's question and say, yeah, I was stunned to find out I wasn't going to start, suggests that at least at the time, the Packers had not offered any kind of reasonable explanation to him for that decision. That is suboptimal. But here's the thing. If Brian Bulaga is healthy, I don't care. Because he is one of the best right tackles in football, the best pass-blocking right tackle in football, and neither Spriggs nor Bell has to play. That is the ideal if you're the Packers. Maybe what's going on is Green Bay wanted to see if for sure Bell was or wasn't a tackle. He's played guard and a tackle in his career. And behind Lucas Patrick, Green Bay doesn't have a ton of tackle depth. They do have Kyle Murphy who's played left and right tackle. Maybe what they're hoping to see is Okay, Bell is for sure not a tackle. We have to play him at guard. That's possible, but that's speculative on my part. I don't know. I'm trying to extrapolate some sort of method to all of this where there might not have been. This could have been a totally arbitrary decision. I don't know, but it is odd. I'm not saying Jason Spriggs is the second coming of Jonathan Ogden, but he had been running with the first team for essentially the whole offseason process as a right tackle and then suddenly is not. That is bizarre. I don't think that this is fait accompli. I don't think it's over. I think Spriggs with a good performance can win back this job and I would like to see Spriggs with the starters. I'd like to see him against the first team Pittsburgh defense. Give him the opportunity to play. If you don't trust him, to play with Aaron Rodgers, who is going to be out there for at least a series or two, then that says a lot more damning things about Jason Spriggs. And maybe they needed to have tried harder in the offseason to fix that position, that backup tackle position. Because we don't know what to expect from Brian Bulaga. It sounds like he's going to be healthy, but how reliable is he going to be over 16 games? And if you don't even trust Spriggs to be out there with Aaron Rodgers in a preseason game, That is a pretty damning statement about him. So I want to see him out there. I want to see him prove it. I want to see him play well because he's the guy they're counting on to do the thing. And so I want to see him do it. One more player I want to mention is Jamon Moore because he has clearly been outplayed by EQ and Marquez Valdez-Scantling to this point. Obviously, those guys had better first preseason games. They've had better moments in practice. They're clearly running ahead of him. And so is an undrafted free agent who's 26 and has done literally nothing in in the NFL. And is, by the way, the second oldest receiver on the Packers roster. But Moore needs to produce. He's the highest of these three receiver picks. He is an outstanding route runner and athlete. He knows how to get open. He understands angles and leverage. And yet what we've seen so far is when the ball is in the air, he is not competing hard enough. It is hard for me to take anything. We talked about this Aaron Rodgers criticism yesterday about the young players and their effort. It is hard for me to look at what we saw on Thursday night and not extrapolate it to say, I wonder if he was speaking specifically about Moore and his effort because what we saw on Thursday night was a guy who wasn't competing hard enough, was not playing 100%, not competing at his apex. And if there is anything that Aaron Rodgers will not tolerate, it is you not competing at your maximum velocity. And so if Aaron Rodgers is going to play, and it sounds like he is, I want to put Jamon Moore out there. I want to put these rookies out there, but especially Moore because he hasn't produced. And I want to see if he can get on the same page with Aaron Rodgers. I want to see if Rodgers can—Rodgers will test you. He was a guy that would throw to Janus just to prove that Janus couldn't play. So put him out there with Moore and see what happens. Rodgers is going to throw it to him and let him go prove it or not. And so this is going to be an important touchstone for more. And even if he doesn't play with Aaron Rodgers, he's going to play with Deshaun Kaiser and or Brett Hundley. And he has to bounce back because he's clearly behind. He is probably the least in danger of being cut because of his draft status, but that cannot be his only saving grace. Green Bay needs him to perform. They need him to play well to justify his draft position, to justify the draft capital that they spent on him, The highest of these three receivers, and he is clearly right now the worst. Doesn't mean he's bad. Put another way, he is the least good of the rookie receivers. Is that better? He needs to perform well. All right, we'll be back on Friday to discuss what happened in the Pittsburgh Steelers game. We're essentially going to double the data points that we have on these young players' We're going to see Oren Burks again. Hopefully, he can improve Ahmad Thomas. Low-key had a really nice game against the Titans on second watch. There are a lot of players that I think we should be excited to see. And the Packers, win or lose, that part is not important. They need to show growth. And Rodgers, you know, you'd love to see him go out and and play really well. Let's not overreact to it either way. Rodgers is going to be fine once the regular season comes around. Don't get him hurt. As long as he comes out healthy, it's a successful day for Aaron Rodgers. Remember, he came back from the lockout and lit the Saints' defense on fire back in the day. So no one has to worry about Aaron Rodgers. But there are young players that, are, that have to set out to go play. And they have to go earn minutes. They have to go earn snaps. Those young corners. I want to see this backup tackle battle. These rookie receivers, Jamon Moore. I want to see the running backs. Let's see Jamal Williams prove that he should be the lead back now that Aaron Jones is getting back to full health. There's so much to see that this second game, in a lot of ways, is going to be more important than the third preseason game because the backup races are the ones that are important to the Packers. Their starters are more or less set. So seeing them going out and, and playing in the third preseason game a half or whatever it is, I don't really care. Because by the time week one rolls around, they're going to be fine. It's these backup races, the third corner race, the fourth receiver race, the third offensive tackle race. Those are the things that still need to be decided and those are the things that these preseason games go a long way in determining so that is what's out there for the Packers against the Steelers. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can always ask questions, leave comments, whatever it is for me there. You can also go to the Locked on Packers Twitter feed, at Locked on Packers, leave a comment on Facebook, review us on Facebook, like us on Facebook, all of those things. i love to see someone that follows the podcast and then follows me on Twitter. That's great because it means you found the podcast organically. Someone told you about it, you saw it, whatever, you liked it, you followed the show, and you liked it enough to follow me. That is amazing. Thank you so much. Remember, you can also call in or text the Locked on Packers fan hotline, 920-341-3775. We're going to have more mailbag shows the next few weeks. A lot to get to because there's so many things to talk about and so many questions that Packer Nation has. Cheeseheads, You are so engaged, and I love it. I love it. Keep it up. We'll be back on Friday to talk about Packers-Steelers. Until then, stay locked on, Packers.